0: Let's just thank him for his unspeakable immeasurable goodness. Oh Father, you know there's a lot of bad, but Lord, there's only goodness in you. And I'm so grateful that we get to live even when things maybe not are not good, but we get to live under this beautiful canopy, this beautiful open heaven of a good father a good god lord you are good in every way we worship you because you're good we love you because you're good we serve you because you're good it's all about you lord and your goodness and father we would love to just live with that goodness inside of us as well a goodness beyond ourselves, a goodness that we could never have on our own, a goodness that comes, Lord, from you. Not just a goodness that comes from good, uh, being up with good people or good parents, but a goodness that comes from the goodness of God. Let that overshadow us. Let that be over this church. Let that be over these families, I pray. The goodness, the goodness of God. We're so grateful. We will live our lives in gratitude for your goodness in Jesus' name. amen amen Amen. praise the lord thank you team wonderful just before you're seated i just want to acknowledge uh, our great leadership team for the last three sundays that i've been away what a wonderful church what a wonderful team and um, first sunday i was in yuma arizona with pastor tom menard and his missions conference it was just such a delight to be there and had the opportunity as you know to go down to San Luis, Mexico that afternoon and visit with Pastor Ralph Rojas there in, in prison. This, this March he'll be there eight years in that prison. And the work he has done, the transformation in that prison is just, honestly it's, 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 I do not know how that man stays so positive when there's so much injustice shown to him and done to him. Like cartel leaders have come and gone and this man is still there, but. Every day he's there, he's building the kingdom of God and he's building and lifting and I and, uh, had the privilege of st- being with him, spending the afternoon with him and many of the followers of Christ there in that prison. It was just, um, for me personally, a very humbling and rewarding uh, uh, experience. Then the next Sunday, I was with Dan and Reagan uh, in Phoenix doing their, their missions uh, Sunday. And then while I was in the airplane on my way home, Carissa gave birth to our grandson while I was in the air. And so instead of coming here last Sunday, which is what it was in my plan to do, I shot straight up to Tamworth. I don't know, is there a... Oh. <sighs> okay, I am messed up now. That's Zeke. That is Zeke Ryan... And he's our seventh, we had three boys and three girls, grandchildren, and now he's taking us out of balance a little bit, and so we might need another thing to happen before it's all, (laughs) before it's all said and done. God bless you. Please take your seats. I want to kind of pick right back up where I left off a few weeks ago in this kind of sub... Mini series in the main major series of fearless and courage, courage culture. You know, if you have the choice to live afraid or not afraid, how many think not afraid's a better choice? Yeah. If we have a choice to live fearless or fearful, and we do have a choice, by the way, if we have a choice, how many think, well, then let's just live fearless in Jesus' name, if I have a choice, and I do. So we've talked all year about fearless. We've talked about creating a courage culture. A courage culture for our daughters and a courage culture for our sons. And then I, I spoke about a courage culture for our daughters for a few weeks. Uh, and I, then I started talking about a courage culture for men. And especially in this day and age in a society where everything's kind of confused right now. Well, what does it mean to be a man? What's the measure of a man in the 21st century? And so I've been talking about a courage culture that every son could rise up in and grow into a mature man, into manhood. So I'm asking the question in this series, and this is part four. I'm asking the question, what is the measure of a man? And I know that as I speak on this, I actually get more comments from women who are grateful than anyone else. And I know that, of course, the things that I'm talking about for a man relate to all of us, of course. I know that. But I'm asking the question, what does it mean to be a man? And we're basing this on the passage in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4 and verse 13, from the English Standard Version. And it says, until we all attain. In other words, until this is what we're all leaning into. We're not there yet. We're on our way. Until we get there. Until we all attain. We're reaching out for something. We are striving. We're stretching out for something. To attain something. And here's what he says. Until we all attain to mature manhood. Until we grow up. Until we, this word teleos, mature, perfect, the King James says, Uh, This translation says uh, mature, it means complete, it means full-grown. We're attaining, we're we're reaching into this thing where we would grow up as men, where we would attain unto teleos anir, which is the Greek word for male, for man, for masculine. Until we all attain to mature manhood. And here's the beauty of it. It's not measured by current culture. It's not measured by Hollywood. It's not measured by, you know, what. It's Here's the measure. I love this. Because we're talking about men who are measured by the stature and the fullness of Christ. He's the model man. Yeah. And he is what we are seeking to attain and to reach and to become and to live under that model of mature manhood. Jesus is the measure. Jesus is the measure. I, I stand here as a man with men. Looking to Jesus to help measure me. So that I could become Telias Anir. And so we become a man. By the measure of the man. Christ Jesus. And so I'm teaching on the five marks. Of manhood. Or the five mandates of manhood. The five Qualities that describe, define, and even distinguish a man. Five traits that you must embrace and employ that will empower you to teleos on ear, to mature manhood. A mature man measured by the man, Christ Jesus. And these are truthfulness. Tenderness, toughness, trustworthiness, and teachableness. These are the marks of a man measured by the model man, Christ Jesus. Truthful, tender, tough, trustworthy, and teachable. And in these Mandates of manhood, we find transparency. We find humility. We find tenacity. We find responsibility. And we find accountability. Because in truthfulness, there is transparency. And in tenderness, there is humility. And in toughness, there is tenacity. And in trustworthiness, there is responsibility. And in teachableness, there is accountability. And all of these are modeled by the perfect man, the model man, Christ Jesus. So I've already talked about truthful. I've already talked about tender. And I've already talked about tough and toughness. With God's help today, I would like to talk about being a trustworthy man. Would you reach your hand out towards me, please, and pray for me? Father, Help me, I pray. Help me to not only speak this, but help me to be this. Help us today, Father. Please, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle, thank you. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 25, he said, I give judgment. As one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. Whom the Lord has made trustworthy. The Good News translation says it like this. I give my opinion as one who by the Lord's mercy is worthy of trust. Trustworthy. Worthy of trust. Now, this is the Greek word pistos. p-i-s-t-o-s. It's also translated faithful. It's translated sure and true. A faithful man. A man who is trustworthy. He's sure and he's true. So a man who can be trusted. A man who can be relied upon. A man who can be depended upon. This is what we're talking about today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, from the Amplified version, we read this. Moreover, it is essentially required of stewards that a man should be found faithful, proving himself worthy of trust. So this is not just something that's a a gift. It's something that is proven. It's something that is tested. It is something that is uh, pushed against. It's not just a, like a gift of the Holy Spirit. The New Century Version says it like this. Now, in this way, those who are trusted with something valuable. Now, I'm talking to every man in this house. Because every man in this house, you have been trusted with something that is Valuable. It may be a spouse or your wife. It may be your children. It may be your word, your integrity. It may be your word. But every man in this house has been trusted with something that is valuable. And here's what it says. Now, in this way, those who are trusted with something valuable must show they are worthy of that trust. You've been entrusted with something valuable. And you must show that you are worthy of trust. That trust. Now, here's what Jesus had to say about trustworthy. Jesus said in Luke 16 and verse 10, the person who is trustworthy in very small little matters, that's the person who's trustworthy also in great ones. Isn't this an amazing teaching from Jesus, it, it's almost like the whole teaching of trustworthy in a nutshell. It's almost the whole teaching of being worthy of trust in a nutshell because those who are trustworthy with just little, just, yeah, you know, that's hardly significant. That's just so, and yet Jesus says that's the person who is also trustworthy with the big. He says, and the person who is dishonest or not trustworthy in very small matters. No, I didn't do that. I didn't follow. I didn't, I didn't. But it was just such a little thing. But that is also the very same person who you cannot trust in big matters. Jesus also says this two verses later. Jesus says, suppose you've not been worthy of trust in handling that which is someone else's. Someone else's business or someone else's property or someone else's uh, situation. Then who will give you your own. If you've not been trustworthy in that which belongs to someone else, well then who is going to trust you with your own? This is what Jesus is saying. Now the Apostle Paul teaches us that God is faithful. God is trustworthy. And so in 1st Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9, God is, this is that word again, pistas, trustworthy. God is faithful, reliable, Trustworthy, and therefore ever true to his promise, and he can be depended on. Now watch this. And by him, this faithful, trustworthy, you can depend on. He makes a promise, and he keeps it God. By him, you were called into companionship and participation with his Son, Christ Jesus our Lord. We've been called also into this companionship and participation with Jesus in being trustworthy. So, I'm talking about the marks of a man truthful, tender, tough, and trustworthy. A man who is faithful, reliable, and dependable. The Proverb says that a faithful man will abound with blessings. Well, if that was true two or 3,000 years ago, it's still true today. A faithful man is faithful with his family. He's faithful with his finance. He's faithful with his faith. He's faithful to his wife. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his work. He's trustworthy because he's response able. I want to lay this as a foundation for the rest of what I want to say. He is trustworthy because he is responsible or he is response-able. A responsible man is a trustworthy man. The greatest ability a man possesses is his response-ability. Every man has the ability to respond. And that's where trust, trustworthy is born, in that ability right there. His reliability depends on his response ability, his ability to respond. He's response able. What makes a man trustworthy is his ability to choose his response. Now, he may not be able to choose his circumstance. He may not be able to choose how he's being treated. He may not be able to choose what's going on around him. He may not be able to choose how he feels in this very moment. He may not be able to choose at this particular time where he is mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. But he can always choose his response. And that Is where trustworthy is found. So Jesus says this. What do you think, he says, in Matthew 21 and verse 28. What do you think? A man had two sons. And he came to the first and he said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and he said, I will not. Nope. No, no, I've got no. I am not going to do that. I am not going to work in your vineyard today. No, no, that is not on my agenda. That is not on my plan. That is not how I've planned my day. No, I will not go. And yet afterward, Jesus said he regretted it. Dang, and he went. Now the second son, Jesus, so he, he, he answered, he said, uh, let me read it again. But what do you think? A man had two sons. He came to the first son, said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he regretted it and he went and he worked. So then he comes to the second son and says the very same thing. And the second son, he said, son, go work in my vineyard today. And the second son said, you got it, pops. I'm in. I'll be there. I'll be there. Okay, I'm in. I'll go, sir. I'll go. But he did not go. And Jesus asked this question. Which of the two did the will of his father? And the Pharisees answered him. The first. Now, their declarations did not define them. Their deeds define them. It's not what they said, it's what they did. Which of the two did the will? Of their father who was the faithful who was the trustworthy son look they both had the wrong attitude but one of them with the wrong attitude chose the right action that's what trustworthy does that's what trustworthy is you see he was response able No, I won't go. No, I'm not going. I don't, Dad, I ain't Dang, it's my dad. It's the field. I guess one day it'll be my field. I don't know. Ah, what the hell, I'm going. He was, we all are response able. And this is what trustworthy is. And this is what trustworthy does. It chooses the right. Action. It chooses the right response, and every man has that ability. Now, also, every man has desires. Every man I know, and I'm standing at the front of the line, has base desires. Every man lives every day with a lower nature that's never far away. Every man. A nature that leans into what's improper, immoral, and ignoble. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7 and verse 18... I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. And that lower nature, there's just no good, there's just no good thing there. There's just no good thing there. As a matter of fact, when I live according to it, all hell breaks loose. And here's what Paul, here's how Paul describes it. In Galatians 5 and verse 19. When you follow the desires, the desires, the desires of your sinful nature. The desires, the desires, the desires. Every man has desires, desires, desires. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, hostility, selfish ambition, dissension, division, man, man. But here's something that's the game changer. Here's something that makes a difference. And these are Paul's words to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters. So this is, of course, for all of us, but can't help it. I'm talking to the blokes. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, watch this. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Man, that's like get up and run around the building kind of come on. Man, that's like, say it again, say it again, say it again, say it again, I will. Therefore, dear brothers, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature desires. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. My desires do not define me. My decisions do. This is the key. This is the secret and this is the power of a trustworthy man. A response able man. My deeds, not my desires, are the measure of my life. It's what you do that defines you, not what you desire. Every man... And I may be wrong. I say every man because I just kind of feel like probably every man's like me. I don't know. Maybe this isn't true. I think it's true. So I'm still going to say it, but I put that little caveat in parentheses because you may be a man here that this doesn't apply to. But every man has desires that are destructive. Desires that would destroy my marriage. My ministry, my integrity, my character. So here's the reality of life. I have desires, I make decisions. I have desires, I make decisions. I have desires, I make decisions. You are not defined by your desires. You are defined by your decisions. Now that first son did not want to go into the field but he went into the field anyway and that is what trustworthy is and that is what responsible is. I do not identify myself by my desires. I identify myself by my life that is hid with Christ in Jesus Christ by the new nature that I have in Christ. That old nature I can't stand it. I can't wait for that thing to be totally out of me. But I just, every day, it's always close enough that I know it's there. Now, I embrace the new nature. I have been born again. Any man is in Christ. He's a new creature. Come on. And I want that man to get bigger and better in me all the time. But I still know that every day there's desires there. All it takes is one stupid decision to throw everything I love and everything I've lived, lived for away in one stupid decision. I could, yeah, I, we get a moment of pleasure for a lifetime of regret. Yeah. Stop it. Come on, help me, somebody. I mean, we, we, I know this is true. Yeah. Yes, I'm born again. Yes, I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. But every day, every day, there are desires that would destroy. But I'm not obligated to give in. And I will not let my desires, whether they be sexual desires or any other, I will never know my identity by what I desire. I will know my identity by the deeds and the decisions that I make in my life. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. And this is for all of us. Brothers and sisters, listen to this. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 5, you must put to death earthly desires at work in you. Where are they? They're at work in me. What are they? They're earthly desires. They're lower. They're like gravity, earthly. They're desires that want to pull me down. They're desires that want to pull you down. They're desires that destroy society. Desires. Desires. And here's what Paul says to the spirit-filled Christians that he's writing to there in Colossae. Here's what Paul says to them. You must... Put to death, then, earthly desires that work in you. And then while we're talking about it, he just starts naming them. Oh, please, Paul, don't name them. I want to name them. No, Paul, just, I'll get, let's just leave it at that. No, such as sexual immorality, indecency, lust, evil passions, greed. And then he says, at one time, you yourselves used to live according to such desires. When your life was dominated by them. Desires that dominated my life. But now. Everybody say but now. Because that's all the difference in the world right there. But now. That was then. Dominated by desires. And he starts naming them and listening. And I'm going, please don't name them anymore. But now. And this is where you and I are because of the cross of Jesus Christ, because of the grace of God, because of the Holy Spirit. But now you have put off the old nature, the old self, the lower, the old man with its habits, yearnings, cravings, longings, and have put on the new man. Which is the new being which God, its creator, is constantly renewing in his own image. I put off the old man which is corrupt according to his deceitful deeds. And I put on the new man which, in, which after God is being created in true holiness and righteousness. That's what we do. That's what we have to do. A trustworthy man puts off the old self and puts on the new creation that is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. Does he fall? Yep. Yep. But he doesn't give up. He gets up. Does he fail? Yep. But he doesn't grovel. He grows. Does he flop? Yep. But he doesn't let the enemy take him out. He lets God take him deep. His desires do not define him. His decisions do. A trustworthy man, a responsible man, makes choices. Not for himself, but for her, and for him, and for them, and for others. He does not live unto himself. He makes a choice every day, To live unto a king and a cause. Because he is response able. He's able to put something off and to put something on. A trustworthy man may still have a lower nature. But every day he puts on something else. He puts on something new. Even Philippians 4, 8, where Paul says he fixes his thoughts. Come on, every man in here, how many would say, amen, Lord, fix my thoughts? Am I the only one? Fellas, don't leave me out here by myself. Don't leave me exposed out here standing all alone. I don't feel like I have any clothes on, and that's a terrible feeling for me. (laughs) Listen to what Paul says. He fixes his thoughts. That's what you got to do every day, brother. You too, sis, while we're at it. But he, he's, he, fixes, he fixes his thoughts. And, and look, how he, look, look, look how he fixes these thoughts. Look, look how he fixes his thoughts. He fixes his thoughts on what is true and honorable. Come on, and right and pure and lovely and admirable. He thinks, he thinks about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, let me ask you a question. Why does Paul exhort us to do that? Because the natural mind, by its own default, it, there's a proclivity in every natural mind to think thoughts that are untrue and incorrect and impure and unclean and unworthy and immoral and unkind. And so we fix that, we fix our thoughts and we fix our thoughts on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable so that we can finish well, so that we can be found worthy of trust and worthy of that which has been entrusted to me. I'm gonna ask our team to come, but as they come, I wanna share with you what my favorite and my daily confession is. Now, I have daily confessions. It takes me about 10 to 12 minutes every day to go through all of them out loud. And I've been working on these for a long time. And it's something that I add to from time to time as I. But this is my favorite of all my daily confessions. It's Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. And it says, Can you see it on the screen? I love this. God is working in me today. God is giving me the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Can I just tell you what a lifeline that is for me every day to say that. Every day to walk out of the house or out into the office every day knowing knowing today that God is working in me. I know there's a lower nature, but, but shut up. Because God... Is working in me and in you, and God is giving you and me the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a win day. It's going to be a let's go, let's go, God. This going to be a, at the come on, because at the end of the day, all day long, God gave me desire and power to do what pleases Him. And I am, and you are response able. I can respond to that. See, there's another nature at work here. Amen. There's a higher nature. There's a holier nature. Every day I confess, I know I have a lower nature. And I know it has desires, but none of them will define me. Every day I confess, I have the desire and the power to do what pleases Him because that's what the scripture says. I am you are, we are responsible I say no to ten things so I can say yes to one thing what I die to not what I give in to defines me as a man What you die to, not what you give in to. That's the measure. That's the mark. That's what's established. That establishes telias on here. Stand with me, please. Truthful. Tender tough, trustworthy. These are the marks of a man and these are the measure of the man. Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, would you raise us up as men filled with the desire and the power to do what pleases you, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, that we would not be men who live according to a lower nature, but that we would be men who are worthy of trust, men who are so faithful in little things, small things, insignificantly, it seems, insignificant things. I want to be a trustworthy man, I want to be worthy of the trust that's that's given to me. And I want to lead men who are trustworthy, who have built that trust, who are worthy of that trust. So Father, I've shared this word, I have to admit I labored over this word, but I've shared it. And now I ask you, Holy Spirit to do what good, the good with it, that you will in every man, in every heart. And I'd just like every man to bow his heart before God. I know we're standing here, and I know we can bow our heads, but I'd like every man to just bow his heart. And maybe you would join me today in just a commitment. God, I wanna be, I wanna be that man that lives by the measure, that man that lives by the stature, that man that lives by the model man, that man that every day, is measured by the measure of the statue of the lord jesus christ father world's crazy men don't know what to do men don't know how to act men don't know what to be but your your word is a lighthouse your word is a plumb line your word is a true north your word is a compass and lord we're pulling that compass out today to show us how to live as men how to be as men how to think as men how to respond as men and father i know that we can't do it without you. I know we can't do it just with self-will and self-determination. We need your grace, your grace, your grace. And I pray for that grace to come now upon every man in Jesus' name, amen.